chapter 1. We are looking at four keys for endurance and victory when trials and temptations and difficulties come our way. We began the message this morning and uh, we looked at two of the four keys. We looked at, the, first of all, the key of counting. And uh, counting just simply means, in, in verse, in verse uh, 2, it says, count it all joy. Count it all joy. Um, you, you need to have the right mental attitude when it comes to temptations and trials and, and difficulties that come down the pipe. We need to, to realize that God intends all of those things that regardless of what form they take, uh, he, he intends for those things to be worked together for good. And then the, the, next, the next key that we looked at was no. And basically what the, what the no refers to, it says, knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh patience. <clears throat> There's just some truths that we know in the word of God. And one of the basic truths is, is that God's character is impeccable. And so if we're going through something, we know that God's got a purpose. We know that God's got an intention. And, uh, and we realize particularly in the case of, of trials and tribulations and temptations that, that uh, God allows those to happen so that he can, he can uh, build patience in our lives. Let's, uh, let's do this. Let's all stand together, if you would, and we will read verses 1 through 12, and then we'll get right into the next two keys of the message. Uh, James chapter 1 and verse 1 says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. And let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we're thankful for times like this that we can spend listening to the preaching of the Word of God, Lord, allowing you to teach and instruct our hearts. Uh, Father, I pray that uh, you really would not let my incompetence in any way uh, hinder the message this evening. Uh, God, these, these keys that we're looking at are so essential, and particularly in the days that we are living in right now, because of the, of the difficulties and the tensions, 
uh, Lord, even the, the fears and the unknowns that are before us, uh, Lord, uh, we're, really, we're really learning how to trust our God and our Savior. And uh, Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, encourage hearts, rebuke hearts, do whatever's necessary in, in uh, the hearts and lives of those that are listening. And I pray that you might have my heart and my mind I pray that you'd, you would uh, fill me with your spirit. I literally cannot do this without you. Uh, Father, I pray that, that you would speak to our hearts tonight through your book by your spirit. We'll be careful to thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen and amen. You may be seated. The third, the third key, the first two keys are count and know. The third key is let, and it's found down there in verse 4. It says, but let patience have her perfect work that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. It says to let patience have her perfect work. In other words, patience wants to have a work in your life, but you have to let it. We have to surrender and allow the thing that God is using, the outward temptation, trial, and difficulty to do inside of our hearts. One of the things that, that, uh, that you learn in the Christian life is that character doesn't just happen. You know, the amount of character that somebody had the day that before they got saved is the same amount of character they had the day after they got saved. Now the difference is, now we've been set free from sin. Uh, after, after salvation, we have the Holy Spirit of God inside of us. We begin to look to the Word of God for guidance and direction. But that character needs to be built. And God builds our character as God, as God works in our lives, and we make choices. And that's where the surrender part comes in. We allow God to have His perfect work in us. And, and He does all this so that he can make us more mature. Uh, one, of the, one of the goals that God has in, in every one of our lives is maturity. He wants us to mature and grow up in him. And, and there's some specific ways that God works in our lives to achieve that, that maturity. First of all, God works for us. Now, the way he works for us initially is in salvation. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We do nothing when it comes to salvation. He does it all. All of the work that needed to be done in order for you to be saved was done through Jesus Christ on the cross, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Uh, none of that is us. It's not of works lest any man should boast. All we simply do is, is accept it, believe it, and trust him and him alone as our Savior. The second way that God works in our lives is in us. And once he saves us, he comes, he comes into us. He makes his abode with us. But, but uh, he works from the inside out. Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It does not say work for your own salvation. Again, works have nothing to do with salvation as far as getting saved. 
But once you're saved, God works something in you, and then we're to take what he has worked in us and work it outwardly so people can see a difference on the outside. And what, what the Bible calls that is sanctification. Keep your fingers here in James and go with me to Philippians 2. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2. And I, I, I love this verse. This has become one of my top, what, 50, <laughs> 50 60 verses uh, that, uh, that uh, I really get a blessing from every time I, I read it. Philippians chapter 2, verses, verse 13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now what that simply means is, is that God is the one who gives you the will and gives you the desire to do right. What that simply means is God gives you the power to be able to do what, what you need to do for him. But again, it is our choice. We can let him work in us and we can let him uh, do a work or we can resist that work. And when tribulations and trials and temptations come, the purpose of that is to begin to work in us. And we need, we need to let patience have her perfect work. That's, that's surrender. Um, what, what simply God is doing is he is making us Christ-like from within. God does not want us to first be Christ-like from without. He wants us to first be Christ-like from within. By the way, if you're Christ-like on the inside, you'll be Christ-like on the outside. It's possible, however, to try to be like Christ outwardly, but not have anything change inwardly. What you are is much more important than what you do. Now, is, is it important to do things in the Christian life? Absolutely it is. But before you do them, God wants us to be something different. Before we can do something different, God wants us to be something different. And that's God working in us. Then, then the third thing that God does is he works through us. Take your, take your Bibles, and again, keep your finger in James, but go to the book of Ephesians. And look with me in Ephesians chapter 2. Now, Ephesians chapter 2 is where we just quoted that verse about God working in us. And that those two verses, verses 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But notice God does not stop there. In verse 10, he says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. What that is, is God working through us, through us. And that's, that's through our service. So God works for us, God works in us, and then God works through us. And before... God allows us to serve him in the capacity that he desires us to serve him in. He wants to build character in us. Um, there's, a, there's a thinking that I had years ago in the ministry. I had it uh, very young in the ministry, and it was very wrong and very erroneous. Uh, it was the thinking that 
if, if you put a person into a position, then they will develop the character in order to fulfill that position. I've, I've found over the years that that's not, first of all, that's not how God works, and second of all, that's a very dangerous thing to do. You're putting people into positions and giving them responsibilities that they don't have the character to fulfill. And that becomes very, very frustrating. Not only, not only is it not a good choice to make, but it can hurt those people. And that's why it's so very, very important to allow, for us to allow God to work that character in us so he can develop us into the people that he wants us to be so that we might serve him. You, you see these, these things all the way through scripture. Um, God worked on, on Abraham for about 25 years before he gave him Isaac. You know, you say, well, uh, he, was, he was testing his faith. He was showing that he was strong in his behalf. Yeah, and I, and I agree with all that. But you know what else he was doing? He was getting him ready for Isaac. Uh, he wasn't ready for Isaac 25 years prior. And, and so God did a work in him. Joseph is a classic example. Uh, there's about 13 years from the time that he was thrown in the pit and then finally uh, uh, thrown in the pit by his brothers and then finally uh, brought uh, to the position of authority right next second to Pharaoh. There's about 13 years that transpire there. Those three, 13 years were not all all uh, blessings and roses and and you know uh, sweetness from heaven. Uh, they were they were some tough years. He had first of all he, he ended up being a slave. Uh, so then then as he rose in in uh, notoriety because because he was being a blessing to Pharaoh and to his house, there was false accusation made by 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 uh, uh, Potiphar's uh, by Potiphar's wife. And uh, he was thrown into jail. He did nothing wrong. In fact, he stayed squeaky clean. And yet, yet uh, he ended up in, in jail for, for a long period of time. And then uh, he was told that uh, he would uh, uh, be uh, mentioned to Pharaoh because of what he had done for, uh, for the butler. And uh, the butler forgot. So... You know, he, he was he was disappointed. He had he had uh, uh, you know he had promises that were that were broken to him, and it just seems like it was one thing after another after another. And if if you look at that through human eyes, you say, man, it just looks like God's just kind of beating him and beating him and beating him. No, that's not what's going on at all. God's developing him and developing him and developing him, so that one day he can properly fulfill because of the character that he's got because of the lessons that he's learned he can properly fulfill the responsibility of being second to pharaoh uh, moses you look at moses life and moses life basically is is a is a split into thirds the first 40 years the second 40 years and the third 40 years you realize that the the third 40 years is when moses served god he lived to be 120 the first two segments of 40 years, that was all training. He had 80 years of training for 40 years of service. 
uh, God, God does just that. He, he works in and, and through our lives and develops uh, godly character in us so that, so that we can properly be used of him. David, uh, you know, it, it's, it's up for grabs exactly how many years he was in the wilderness. It's somewhere between, from the time he started running from Saul, it's somewhere between five and 15 years. Personally, I, I tend to go a little bit toward the 15. Uh, but uh, uh, he, he went through some, some really tough times while he was running from Saul in the wilderness, and he learned a lot of valuable lessons. What was God doing? Again, God wasn't just taking him through the ringer. God was preparing him so that he would be able to be king. He'd already been anointed once, and that was back in his father's house. And, and uh, so he knew that he had that calling on his life, but he wasn't ready to step into the position yet, and God had to fine-tune him and he did it in those in in those years uh, before he was he was uh, anointed made made king first over Hebron and then over all of Israel. The, the disciples the disciples spent 24 hours a day seven days a week with Jesus Christ God in the flesh, and for three solid years they were trained. Why? because the book of Acts was coming, because the crucifixion was coming, the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and then the responsibility would be laid on them. Uh, during, that, during that three years, there were tremendous lessons that they learned, and you can find those in the, in the four Gospels. But God can, uh, can, can work on us without our permission. In other words, he can, he can bring things into our lives and depending upon how we respond will depend upon what he does in us. But, but it's our choice. I mean, we either choose to uh, let patience have its perf perfect work or we choose not to let patience have its perfect work. And that, that choice is ours. Um, Trials work on us so that we'll allow God to work in us. The trials are on us so that God can accomplish what he desires to accomplish in us. Then the, the last key that I want us to look at is down in verses 5 through 8. We looked at counting, we looked at knowing, we looked at letting, and then last of all, let's look at asking. Down in verse 5, it says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with a wind and tossed. And for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. The, the last key is asking, and, and asking involves belief, asking involves faith, asking involves trust. Uh, what, what should our prayer life center around when we're going through trials? Well, can I tell you some of the things that we usually pray for when we go through trials? We usually pray, first of all, we pray for, we pray for answers. We pray, oftentimes, we pray for escape. We look for the escape hatch. And by the way, that is, you know, these things are not necessarily wrong things to pray. 
but they're not the key thing that God wants us to be praying for and not the thing that we need the most. We, we pray for our answers. We pray, we pray for escape. Get us out of here. By the way, that's, if we're to be honest about it, that's really one of the, the top reasons why we say, even so, come Lord Jesus. Uh, you know, sometimes it's really not that we want to see Jesus face to face. I'll be honest with you. It just, you know, for just to be upfront and honest, that's just the way it is sometimes. What, 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 what we really need, you know, what we really mean is get me out of this stinking world. I'm tired of dealing with stuff. Uh, so, you know, we do that same thing with, with temptations and trials. Uh, we, we ask for strength. Well, the truth of the matter is God's already given us that, that strength. He says he worketh in us to do and to will and to do of his good pleasure. Well, that to do is the strength that God gives us in order to be able to go through the, the, the difficulty and learn the lesson, lessons that God wants us to learn. And uh, uh, we just need to rely on that strength. We ask, we ask for help. We, we ask for grace. You know, the, you know the, 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 the truth of the matter is, is that here we are in the middle of a situation where we're asking God to give us, give us grace, and the grace is there for us. You know, the Bible says over in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, it says, lest any of you fail of the grace of God. Well, the implication is, is it's not you're failing to ask him for grace. It's we're failing to avail ourselves of the grace and use that grace that God has already given to us to get through the time of difficulty. Bottom line, what is it that we ought to be asking God for? He says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Let's face it, we've not been where we've been the last five weeks. Uh, none of us have. Uh, our, our, my generation and all the way back, uh, we have, we've never been in a situation like that, like this. I, I believe this, and I believe this with all my heart. I believe God delights in putting us in situations like this. And, I, and again, I'm not painting a picture of, of a mean and nasty and cruel God. I'm just saying he puts us in positions like this just to show us that uh, how weak and frail we are. You look down, you look down in uh, verses 10 and 11. It says, but the rich in that he is made low because, because as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. Now in his riches, he thinks he's strong. But the truth of the matter is, God says, you're nothing but grass. In, in verse, verse 11, it says, for the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. That's how frail we are. We, we really are frail. And with, with, without him, we truly can do nothing. And, and uh, without him, we're going to fall flat on our face and fail. And God brings us through these kind of situations to show us how desperately we need him, we need his strength, we need his grace, and we need, we need his, his wisdom. It says, it says, if any man lack wisdom, uh, any man, uh, you don't have to have a particular qualification 
in order to ask God for wisdom. In fact, you know what I believe? I believe that when he says any man, he doesn't just mean any saved man. He means any lost man, too. I, you know, honestly, and I've seen this happen. If a, if, a, if a lost man, even one who says, I don't even believe that there is a God, but I'm open to it. God, would you please give me wisdom? And would you please show me whether or not you, you really exist? I believe God will do that for him. Uh, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. God's anxious to give us the wisdom that we need. And wisdom is just simply the ability to see things from God's perspective. And it's, it's, you know, all kinds of knowledge is out there, and more so today than, uh, than really in history, in any other time in history. Uh, we, we can avail ourselves of all kinds of facts and figures. You know, I, up until this, this uh, coronavirus uh, came uh, and, and plagued not only our country, but the entire world, I didn't know anything about the... Uh, uh, about the Spanish flu epidemic that was a pandemic uh, back in back in 1918. I, I, in fact, I'll be honest with you, I'd never even heard it. Now, maybe I did hear of it and I just forgot about it. But uh, I, I decided, you know, I had heard a little bit about it uh, after we got into this thing. I thought, well, I, I, I'd sure like to know something about it. That wasn't hard at all. Man, you go online, you, there's all kinds of information, there's documentaries, there's all kinds of things that are on there that give us the knowledge. But understand, that's all you've got is knowledge. From God and God alone, you can get wisdom. And that wisdom is what is absolutely necessary in order for us to properly process and use the knowledge that, that we can get. It's, it's the ability to see things from God's perspective. And, and wisdom is absolutely necessary so that the opportunities that God gives us for our faith to mature in these times of temptations and trials is not wasted. We need, we need God's wisdom for the lessons of life. And we receive wisdom from, from those lessons if we pay attention and if we spend time in God's word. That's why it's, you know, I, I've gotten a, a thrill. <clears throat> I've gotten reports back from several, several folks in our church where they've, they've said, you know, I found, I found this in the scriptures and I found that in the scriptures. And this verse has been a special blessing and that verse has been a special blessing. Um, I heard from one of our ladies saying that uh, one of, actually both of, of uh, her children are, are learning uh, the, the, the verse from Timothy that we're, that we're reciting. And uh, it's, it's, it's becoming a part of them. Man, that's, that's exciting. <laughs> I mean, really, that's, that's, really a, that's really a thrill because that's the kind of stuff that is absolutely necessary in order to, to get us through the lessons of life and to learn those lessons. Uh, the condition for receiving wisdom however, is found down in verse 6. It says, But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Uh, we've got to have unwavering faith. Uh, what's the greatest hindrance to getting wisdom? You know what it is? It's just simply unbelief. 
it's it's unbelief it's 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 doubting god doubt is a great enemy and it's an enemy of faith uh it it'll it'll make you falter it it'll cause you to fail in the christian life take take your bibles and turn with me again keep your finger here in james but go to matthew 14. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14 gives us the account of the Lord Jesus Christ sending his disciples out in a ship. And then he joins them later, but he joins them by walking on the water. And when he walks out on the water and they finally see who it is, Peter asks if he can come out and join them. And the Lord said, come on. <laughs> you know, I, I've often wondered if, he, if, if, if there were some words that were not recorded there. Come on in, the water's fine. You know, I don't know. But uh, maybe that's where we get that. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, but he says, come on. And so, so uh, Peter did. And then down in, in fact, look with me, uh, look at verse 29. He said, come. And when Peter was come out of the ship, he walked on the water. He didn't falter. He didn't fail. I mean, he was right on top of the waves. Okay. It says he, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. The reason why I am such a bug on not having fear during times like what we're going through right now is because fear causes doubt and doubt causes a lack of faith and uh and 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 doubt is a is a faith destroyer and that's exactly what happened here it says when he saw the the wind boisterous he was afraid and beginning to sink he cried saying lord save me and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? The reason why he didn't have faith was because he allowed doubts to come into his mind. Uh, instability and immaturity go hand in hand. Uh, if, if you, you know, you cannot grow in Christ if you don't trust him. You cannot grow in Christ if you don't have a, a, a lead pipe since sure faith and trust in your God. And when you ask him for wisdom, you, you've got to come believing he's going to give you exactly what you need. And the, one of the greatest needs that we have in any temptation and trial and, and, and difficulty that we go through is is to have wisdom we don't have it in and of ourselves and and he says when you ask we need to ask with nothing wavering you don't change your mind after he gives it uh you you uh uh wisdom wisdom can 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 bring hard choices um th throughout my life since i've been saved there have been a lot of choices that i've had to make and, and uh, uh, I can remember, you know, I, I wasn't saved probably, it wasn't even a year yet. 
And there was a, a real serious, in fact, it, it could have altered my entire life had I not made the right, right choice and made the right, in fact, it would have, not could have, it would have. And uh, so I, I, I can remember asking God, and I, I don't know that I, I looked at this verse at that time. I don't know that I had all that together yet, but I, I just knew that I didn't know what to do. I, I'd never been, you know, in the Christian life before. I'd been saved for for uh, you know less than 10 months and uh, I, I, I was up against a situation. I had no clue what to do and I asked the Lord to give me wisdom. Well, he gave me that wisdom. He did, did it through my youth pastor. He did it through the scripture and, uh, and I understood the path. But once you get the wisdom, you've got to have the courage to be able to make the right decision. You turn your back on the wisdom and God's strength is not going to be there for you in that time. And that's why it says nothing wavering. When he shows you what the answer is and he shows you the wisdom that you need, you need to act on that wisdom regardless of how difficult it might be. Uh, down in, in verse 7 and 8, of James 1, it says, For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord if, if you've got faith that's wavering. Why? Because a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians 4, look down in verse 14. Ephesians 4, 14 says that we henceforth be no more children. In other words, God doesn't want us, you know, it's, it's okay to start out as a child. In fact, it's okay to start out as a babe. That's the only way you do start out in the Christian life. You don't have a choice there. But you don't want to stay a babe. You don't want to stay a child. You want to you grow up. Why? Well, because children are unstable. Children are, are, cannot be relied on. And we need to grow in the Christian life. And it says that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. What, what, what hinders us from going from being children to having maturity? Well, it's, it's lack of faith. It's, it's lack of, of just simply believing God in an unwavering way. Uh, Double-mindedness in, in this area will affect all the other areas. And it is absolutely important that we, that we ask him for wisdom, but we do so in complete faith. Well, th these are the four essential keys for handling trials. First one was count, uh, value difficulties. Understand that these, these difficulties are not a curse. They're a blessing. There's some things you're going to learn through the difficulties. You're not going to learn any other way. So, so count it. Count it all joy. Uh, by the way, it's just, it, not only to value it by, by counting it, but counting it joy. Put a smile on your face. You know? Uh, understand that, that uh, God is, is not through. Yeah, I realize there's some folks that are that are headed for some real difficult decisions because of this whole situation that has taken place over the last five or six weeks. I understand that. 
not just here, but all over the world. Uh, there, you know, I, I'm convinced there's some missionaries that are going to be hurting. I mean, hurting bad. There's some churches in, in other countries that'll be hurting. And they, they need to get some wisdom from God. And we need to be, we need to be praying for them as well. Uh, but, but we need to count it. We need to count it all joy. And then secondly, we need to know. We need to understand and, and see God's purpose in the whole thing. Then we need to let. And again, that let just means being surrendered and allowing God to do the work in us that he wants to do. And by, by, by us allowing patience to be worked in us. And then last of all, ask. Wisdom comes by faith. Without faith, God says it is impossible to please him. And in, in conclusion, look with me down in verse 12. Verse 12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Bible says that there's a, there's a promise. And the promise is that blessings come from endurance. As, as, we, as we endure, as we, as we struggle, as we stick with the stuff over the long haul, God, God says he's got blessings for us. And then there's an eternal reward. The eternal reward is a crown of life. Uh, enduring temptation equals life. Uh, life is more worth living, and life will give more glory to God as we endure temptation. We don't give in. We stand firm. We stay consistent in our Christian lives. And then last of all, it talks about the condition. And, and, and this is the thing I, I want to conclude with and just really hone in on for just a moment. Verse 12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. All of these keys that we talked about, counting, knowing, letting, and asking, mean nothing if you don't love God. That's the bottom line. The bottom line is, the condition is we need to love the Lord. Uh, enduring temptation and loving the Lord are linked. The reason why you will endure it, the reason why you will fight it, the reason why you will, uh, you will count it all joy, the reason why you will know that God has a purpose and that you'll, you'll surrender to what God wants you to, uh, wants to, the will that God wants to have in your life, and you'll ask for wisdom is, is bottom line, you'll love the Lord. If you love the Lord, those things will happen. If you don't endure, if I don't endure, if I, I let my guard down, you know what really I've let down? I've let down my love for God. When my love for God and your love for God starts to slip, all the rest of the areas of our life are, are affected. The thing that motivates us to endure through the trials and the difficulties in the temptations is having a deep-seated love and appreciation in our hearts for the God we serve. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I thank you for the instruction that you've given to us and the keys that you've given to us out of James chapter 1. Lord, uh, 
We're always brought back, aren't we, God, to that, uh, that greatest commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, and all thy strength. We can go through the motions of these four keys, but if that love for you is not what it should be, we're going to falter, we're going to struggle, we're going to fail. God is so important for us to have a deep-seated love for our God and our Savior. I pray that during this invitation, you'd speak to our hearts. God, as you do, if there's something we need to take care of, if there's something we need to determine, uh, Lord, I pray that we would let you have your perfect work in us. You can work on us outwardly day and night, but if we don't surrender to you inwardly, nothing's going to get done. And the, the key to whether or not we'll surrender on the inside, really, is how much do we love you? Please have your will and your way in this invitation. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's, let's